John 12, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. That is God's word for us this morning. And I read the whole passage, but... Uh, For today, we're only going to be going up to verse 3, and then we're going to continue next week as uh, we get into the passage. I've not been to Honduras yet, but I spent a few years of my life living in another foreign country, um, and that was in the Netherlands. Uh, The first of the couple times I lived in the Netherlands was when I started seventh grade, Something I remember that my parents appreciated while we lived there was the Dutch painting of the 17th century. The 17th century is referred to as the Golden Age of the Netherlands. It was called a Golden Age because of trade and commerce. The Dutch East India Company in the Far East, it was based in Jakarta, is considered widely to be the very first multinational corporation in the world. It was a golden age for science. Van Leeuwenhoek is the father of microbiology, and he gave us the modern-day microscope. Well, it was a golden age for art, too, and painting. You may have heard of Rembrandt or Vermeer. Vermeer's painting, uh, The Girl with the Pearl Earring, inspired a novel and a movie starring Scarlett Johansson just a few years ago. Maybe some of you remember that. Well, my parents had a few prints of some of these Golden Age paintings in, in our home. And, and one type of painting you'd often see, this was really popular, to have sort of a domestic scene, a portrait of home life. And I remember my parents had one in particular on the wall, and I have it for you to just take a glance at. You see, um, there's a husband there, there's a dog next to him, uh, a wife with maybe a cat on her lap. This lady is definitely not Sarah. Um, A few other details. Something really particular about the painting in this period was use of light and shadow, and so there would often be a window with, with 
sunlight coming in, and you see that here too. I don't know a ton about art, but I do know that all of these artists were very deliberate. Everything in a painting like this was put there for a reason, and it was to show us, the viewer, exactly what the artist wanted us to see. Well, we have a portrait of sorts in our text, a domestic scene, a pleasant scene in a home, people having dinner. And in what John describes, I believe he's giving us a portrait of the family of God. And we get that as we've been following through John. We're not just picking this up in isolation, but in our study of John. Up until now, in John, we've seen Jesus' ministry among the people of his day. These people were far from God. They were stuck in a legalistic religion. And in that situation, the good shepherd comes in to find his lost sheep. And John describes Jesus in chapter 10 as leading people out of the sheep pen that they're stuck in. And that's referring to the Judaism of the day and people's lostness in that legalism, leading them out of that sheep pen and into a new fold, his fold. And so Jesus has been performing miracles. He's been proclaiming God's word. His sheep are responding. He's gathering his flock. And and by the way, This is a flock that he's still gathering today through his word, and we're a part of it. Well, this dinner is a special gathering of people who have responded to Jesus. And John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is very deliberate about the details he includes. And so everything about this scene is significant, and I believe it shows us a picture of what the family of God looks like. We're God's people. We're his family today. And this then shows us what our life in him should look like together in the church, but also individually as we live our lives as members of the flock day by day. So let's take a look at this portrait. Like I said, we're just focusing on the first three verses today. A portrait of the family of God, first of all, certainly includes an atmosphere of gratitude. Paintings have an overall feel to them, a mood. Any work of art does. Our, our Sophia has always been very attuned to music. And it was just a few weeks ago, we were listening to It was more of a classical piece. It had strings. It was really intense. And it's like, boy, I'm sure no one's going to appreciate this. Let's find something else. But Sophia was listening intently. And I asked her what she was thinking. And she was thinking that the music felt to her like worry. Worry was her description. And it was very accurate, actually. Well, the overall feel, the ambiance of this portrait drawn in Scripture today is gratitude. It's gratitude, thanksgiving, and it's like sunlight filling up the room. This is a thanksgiving dinner. 
We read it was in Jesus' honor. Why? Why thanks to Jesus? Why in honor of Jesus? Well, because of what we just read in the last chapter. Lazarus had gotten sick and died, but Jesus came and raised him from the dead. He called him out of his tomb. Lazarus himself, his sisters, Mary, Martha, some of their close friends are joyful. They're throwing a dinner to say thank you to Jesus. That is the mood of the party. And that's the overall feel of the Christian's life, isn't it? Thanksgiving. It permeates everything. And it's because Jesus is still raising people from the dead today. He raises people like us to new life, though we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And so we want to say thank you to our Savior that we have life and we have it to the full and we have eternal life. And it's all because of Jesus. We can't show our thanks to Jesus by throwing him a dinner party today because he's ascended into heaven. But we can show our thanks, especially in two ways, through prayer and through our day-to-day living for Jesus. We do it in prayer by speaking our thanks to him. The Heidelberg Catechism, that great confession of the church, says prayer is the chief part of of thankfulness for the believer. What is the number one way that you and I are thankful? Well, it's through praying our thanks to God. And I encourage you to thankful prayer. I encourage you to thankful prayer. I have found myself in in just recent years, the last couple of years especially, not that I never ever did this, but especially in the last couple of years, I found myself starting pretty much every prayer with thanks. There are a lot of ways you can start out your prayer. But I've been starting out my prayers with thanks. Whether it's a prayer during a special prayer time I'm having, or just a prayer in the middle of the day or in my bed at night, Lord, thank you for your blessings to me. Thank you that you're my God. Thank you for your grace in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for opening up my heart to you and putting faith in there so that I can respond to your love and grace. Thanksgiving happens with our day-to-day living, too. Maybe you've heard of the Ten Commandments called the rule of gratitude. That's very accurate because they show us how to thank God for his salvation in all the different areas of our life as we live by day to day. As thanksgiving for what Jesus had done for them inspired this dinner and set the whole mood for this wonderful time, thanksgiving sets the tone for our entire life as a Christian. Now, there are other moods and other tones and and attitudes that that can characterize us from time to time. You ever have things other than Thanksgiving? Sometimes grumpiness, bitterness, anger about something, worry, 
just sort of a, a general melancholy, sort of a sadness, not really excited and passionate about what God, or just, or maybe just sort of self-pity. But you know what? That's not really who you are. That's not who we are. We don't want to let anything overshadow that attitude of gratitude. And sometimes that's difficult. The circumstances of life can be rough and pull us down. Our own internal struggles can do that. And so then we need to regularly look again to what Jesus has done for us and open up those drapes and let the sunshine of thanksgiving fill our hearts and fill our lives again. Secondly, our portrait includes a desire to be in Jesus' presence and to know him more and more. As our eyes study this scene a bit more, we look and we find there at the table is Lazarus. And Lazarus, we know, is a close friend of Jesus. He's the one who Jesus raised from the dead. He's reclining because that's how they ate dinner in those days. He's got a glow on his face. He's maybe looking at Jesus. Lazarus is in a good place. There's no place he'd rather be than hanging out with Jesus. Why is that? Well, Lazarus knew about and probably saw all kinds of miracles that Jesus had done, but now Jesus had done something for him, raised him up. He himself had experienced the power and the love of God. If someone saved you, you want to hang out with them too. I experienced that um, a couple years ago. I had a big, potentially life-threatening, life-altering surgery. This was back in 2011. My surgeon's name was Dr. Terrace Masnick. He is a very skilled man, and, and I was just very fascinated with him for a while, really impressed. And, and, and I was kind of wondering about his life. I Googled him. I found out his parents are Ukrainian. I learned his wife is taller than him, which is kind of interesting. I found a YouTube video of him playing some sort of Ukrainian stringed instrument at his dad's 80th birthday. Don't worry, I was not stalking him or anything. I just wanted to know him more. I just wanted to learn more about it. I wanted to have dinner with him and talk to him. I wanted to pick his brain a little bit because he did something that, in my mind, was just amazing, incredible. He was the man. Well, that's what Lazarus wanted to do with the one who brought him back to life. He just wants to chill with his Savior. And that's what, that's what we want to do. We've been saved from the darkness. We've been given life. We were lost, but now we're found. And there's nothing and no one that could have saved us but Jesus and his one sacrifice on the cross. And so we want to spend time talking with him in prayer. 
We want to spend time in the Word to hear His voice, to learn from Him. We want to spend time with His people, the church, where our goal together is to know our amazing Jesus more and more and more and to teach others about Him, whether it's in worship or a small group or with a group that, that wants to serve, like in, in Honduras, or whether it's just in fellowship over a dinner, like this group of believers back then. If we drew a portrait of your life, maybe you wouldn't do it, you're not an artist, but if an artist, some of you are, but if there was an artist that could look at your life and would draw it, would it show you hanging out with Jesus? Hanging on his every word, wanting to know him more. Let's not let other stuff distract us from this priority. What changes, perhaps, need to be made in your schedule for you to spend time with him more and more so you have opportunities to know him better? Think of it. The one who said, come out to Lazarus. He said, come out to each and every one of us. He has raised us up out of our sin and misery, and, and, and we want to know him as thoroughly as we can. We want to be with him, the one who loves us with a perfect, perfect love. And then finally, we look and we have a third point here. A portrait of the family of God includes a desire to serve Jesus joyfully. A desire to serve Jesus joyfully. We look and who else do we see in this picture? Well, it's Martha. It's Martha. And Martha served. Martha was doing her usual thing. Serving was Martha's love language and her passion. We read from the other Gospels that this dinner was in Simon the leper's house. This was someone else that Jesus had healed, and we might wonder, why is Martha serving? Well, we think that this Simon was a family member or a close friend of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and that's why it makes sense that Martha was chipping in. But if you think about what we know about Martha, this is really very touching because we know that there's a history behind Martha's servant heart. Remember that? Martha once got reprimanded by Jesus while she was busy serving. Remember that? Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching, and Martha complained that Mary wasn't helping her with the dishes. Jesus stood up for what Mary chose, and he said that what she was doing was better. And now what we see here is that it wasn't that serving is so bad. Serving is good. That might be your gift. That might be your heart. That might be your thing. That's true of a, a lot of people I know in this church. 
See, Martha could have taken Jesus' correction and been like a really petulant child and and crossed her arms and said, okay, if you're going to say that, if you're going to criticize me, you know, just let someone else serve. I'll never serve again. Just forget it. And we have to admit that that we get that way sometimes. You ever get that way when you're corrected by maybe your mom or your dad? Maybe you're corrected by your wife, a coworker. Maybe it's by someone else in the church when you're not so much on track. But Martha took the correction of Jesus back then well. She took it as a child of God should. She knew that what Jesus said was out of love. And so she continued to serve. But what I suspect happened is that her attitude changed. Before, Martha was serving with some bitterness. She was upset that no one else was helping. She was the only one working hard. And you know what? Those feelings can happen in our service when we separate our service from Jesus. But now Martha's service is connected with Jesus. Serving him is true service, and that's what she gets now. We don't serve out of duty or so that we look good, or we don't serve for people's praise. We serve for his glory, and that's what she's getting. When we first receive from him, we joyfully give back to him, we give to others, and we expect nothing in return because everything we have, everything we need is from him. These people who were up here standing, we heard the awesome word, they went to Honduras joyfully because they knew what Jesus had done for them and they wanted to serve others in response. Brittany Vandernald has committed a life a year of her life to serving in these different countries of the world joyfully because she's doing it for Jesus, first of all. When we make about ourselves, when we do it to look good in front of others, then we'll get bitter like Martha did that one time. But when it's for him, then comes the joy. Next week, Sunday, we'll continue We'll finish this portrait of the family of God. There are a few more things to highlight, including the highlight of the whole text, which I read, but we're not talking about, and that's Mary anointing Jesus. For now, for today, as we conclude, I want you to just picture the portrait of your life. Better yet, first of all, picture what Jesus has done first. Picture the Savior on the cross where he is headed. We're going to focus on that in a special way next week as as we celebrate communion, the Lord willing. This portrait in John 12 reminds us of the cross because we read the dinner happened six days before Passover when the crucifixion would be. So picture the cross, see Our Savior's suffering. See the empty tomb. It's all for you and me. And then look at your life. Does thanksgiving 
permeate everything like sunlight filling a dark room? Do you want to be with your Savior and know him more and more? Are you growing in knowing him more and more? And is joyful service something that gets you excited? Joyful service to Jesus, whether it's in Honduras, whether it's something as mundane as writing reports at work, whether it's in your giving, in your home life, at school, in the church, may your life and may mine be a beautiful, gorgeous masterpiece of a portrait, giving praise and glory to God for all who view it and see it. Amen.